It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live, all the way from California. This week, starring special guest star, Mr. Peter Malik. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> As I was doing that, I was watching my levels, thinking they're probably too hot. So sorry about that. If uh, That's right. I was distorting like crazy. Yeah, we have we have a pass on the video app. The audio <laughs> you've got to get right. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, there is the chat room. Hello, everybody. Um, anyway, I'm really excited to have Peter here. Uh, he and I are kindred spirits. Um, we just met like a year or so ago, yeah. or at the Road Rally in 2014, or shortly before. And uh, as we got to know each other, uh, which was largely on his last visit here uh, to Taxi TV, we found that we had many, many things in common. Um, one big difference is he is still actively recording stuff and has his hands uh, very dirty all the time, uh, <laughs> as opposed to me, an old fart who uh, would only know how to use two-inch tape machines. And Come on, really? <laughs> seriously, I don't think I... Nah. Oh, that's not true. I can't say that I've never done a session with Pro Tools, but um, yeah, I'm a, a, a two-inch guy because that's what I know. That's and, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> sounds good, but, yeah. uh, you know makes editing a little harder and a lot of other stuff. Um, anyway, uh, Peter uh, was at the Road Rally. Um, they were there the year before up on the balcony. This year they moved downstairs. and uh, Westlake Pro. Westlake Pro. And uh, as I said in the email that went out today, Westlake Pro was started by people who used to be with West LA uh, Music, which was uh, for many, many years kind of a... A standard at the road rally and people loved him so we're really glad to have Westlake Pro back um, and he's a gearhead like you guys and uh, one one of the things that we often talk about is the the chasm uh, of um, people that are afraid to get started with a home studio even people who mm -hmm. have um, like garage band I'm pointing at my computer as if you can see it but um, you know, they're stifled by tech. And so uh, I asked Peter just to do three simple things today. And one is, uh, we're going to take your questions about anything and everything in a little while. And don't let us forget, we've got some stuff to give away later in the show. Um, but I asked Peter to cover if he were going to start a home studio as like an acoustic guitar player or just a keyboard player, something very simple that actually sounds good and works and is not going to scare people. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I know so many people, a lot of our viewers, um, it's like, geez, you know, I'm old school. What do I get? So let's start with the, the beginner setup. Um, if you were starting all over and you really didn't know anything about much of anything, what would you start out with gear-wise? And then how would you learn how to use it? Well, you know what? I'm going to start with telling you how I did start out, which okay. was the absolute wrong way to start out. Interesting. And uh, I, I put together my first uh, digital recording rig in 2000. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I would have thought you would have been more ahead of the curve. But okay. No, no, no. I, I sort of came to, I was like a, you know, road warrior guitar player. Okay. And I came to this end of the business later in life. You All know? Right. But I tried to put together on a PC 
And, you know, by basically at the time going online and trying to figure out what I, you know, what I could afford. Yeah. And it was just an unmitigated disaster. In what way? Well, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) That way. It was pretty simple, you know. And uh, I think that, you know, to be uh, fully transparent, I got a cracked version of Cubase. Okay. And uh, I can't remember what the interface was. But I think, but the, the, the point, the salient point is that I tried to do it on a PC. And so that would be my first recommendation that even though computers have become more powerful mm-hmm. um you know the problem with putting something together on a pc-based system is the same now as, as it was then which is that a pc is like has components from you know a thousand different manufacturers you know there's a thousand different video cards there's a thousand different motherboards and and they're all pretty much the same but not the same enough to to be solid recording right you know platforms so you know? so in short so, what you're saying is buy a mac buy a mac right <laughs> you know something or i'd even say you could do it on ipad really to start okay. with if, if you really wanted to i mean there's some great software packages um even on iphone but ipad i think you need a little bit more real estate you know to yeah. get around this program called aria which i think i think it uh supports 16 or 24 tracks of audio you know on an ipad yeah and so, you know, if I were starting out right now and, and I were on a budget, yeah. you know, that might be the way I'd go. Is I'd spend, you know, spend 500 bucks on an iPad. Yeah. And, uh, Would and you get, beef up to get one with a lot of memory just because you're, you know, do you need a lot of memory to run Aria? Well, I mean, I think, I think the, I don't think you have any, uh, any options on actual oh, right. system memory. You have options uh, on storage, right? right? Right, yeah. but I mean, do you but need... yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely would want some storage. All right, you know, and then you know, I mean, there are some really cool. Motu just came out with a, a interface called a microbook, hmm. and it uh, and you could use it to record into a computer, but you could also use it to record into an iPad with like a camera kit, you know. Um, so it just plugs in. I mean, is it like something that the iPad sits in, or is it yeah. just a little? Um, you know, plug-in interface. No, no, it's just yeah, it's just a plug-in. It's a, the the uh, microbook is just a, a box. Okay. You know, it's like a number of of uh, interfaces, but it's something you could basically put in a, your pocket if you have a fairly large pocket, and take it along with you. And what does that cost? It's I think the street price is like two fifty. Okay. And, I mean, there are cheaper options. <clears throat> I mean, there are like uh, Steinberg, you know, who does Cubase. Yeah. Has an interface. I think it's the UR twenty two, which. I don't know, 150, 100. I I hope I'm right. 150, 125. I think you can get it for. All right. So he's he's guessing, but an educated guess on the price. Educated guess, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it depends upon what you want to do. You know, if you just want to get your feet wet, there's there's some really inexpensive options. If you're wanting to pitch the stuff, you want a little bit better sound quality, right? Yeah. Well. Put it this way, uh, everybody always wants to put their best foot forward and, and send out stuff that sounds great. We get taxi members that are like, holy crap, I can't believe they want MP3s. Look, for most of the reality show stuff that gets used in the shows, I, I think a lot of that is probably high-res MP3. It may be. Um, and most of it is mixed so low in many situations, especially... Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, somebody walks into a bar and there's something playing off in the distance and it's a background source cue. Yeah. Nobody at home is ever going to be able to say, you know, that's a WAV file or that's uh, an MP3. 
But musicians being musicians, and everybody wants to put their best foot forward, yes, sound quality does matter. I don't think that all music supervisors could tell the difference or require it, but let's assume that you should. It's, yeah, I think in order <laughs> to get your foot, I mean, I, I totally yeah. hear what, you ha- what you're saying. Yeah. I had a couple placements of a record I did in 1998 yeah. and 1999, and really decent placements on I can't some ABC show, I can't remember what it is, uh, like about a year ago. And I went to watch the show, and I couldn't hear it. I got paid for it. It was there. I couldn't hear it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I completely understand that. Uh, I think we hear that from a lot of our members on the forum that say, you know, I had a placement, and I could barely hear it. So, But you still, somebody's going to hear it in order for it to get chosen, though, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the point. If there are two pieces of music that are both equally appropriate for the scene in every possible way, and one sounds better than the other, I think the better sounding one will get chosen. If one of them is an A-plus fit emotionally, melodically for the scene, but the sound quality is not as spectacularly good as something that's a B-plus piece of music, they'll go with the A-plus music with the less good sound quality most of the time. It, right. That's my that personal sense. opinion, but... Uh, you know, then again, if if it's a uh, like a featured upfront use, um, well, let's say it, it's in a, a um, I'm brain dead uh, a montage. Mm-hmm. You know, it, at the end of the Grey's Anatomy episode, the music is going to be full up and very loud, and they're going to want that to sound sure. great. So yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you don't want to submit bad sounding stuff. Yeah, and basically you're looking at, you know, the, the chain that you go through, which is what mic, preamp, converter into the computer. Yeah. And each one becomes less important as you go down the chain. So the mic is the main place you want to spend your money on. And, and the mixing, frankly, you know, you could have great equipment and not have a good sense of how things should be balanced and totally blow your deal, you know, by making something too bass heavy or too top endy. Yeah, so, I actually I walked into uh, the I can't remember what the the thing was in the main ballroom at the convention. Right. And uh, but you know you were playing some yeah some pieces by taxi members and there was one particular and I wish I'd remember who it was but the content of it was spectacular. Yeah. And the mix wasn't the mix was kind of a deal killer and that's that's you know that's kind of like. You got to look at that. You yeah. know, if you want to be in the game, you got to figure out how to get over that next heap. And I think that everybody on the panel actually said, "Like, wow, I really like that song." But you know? yeah. yeah, we had that a lot. I've got to say, uh, for those of you who are at the rally, you probably noticed it as well. That um, we had several comments coming from panelists this year about vocals being too low. And at some point, I asked, and I, I said, "You know, could it be the stage monitoring that they were hearing?" Which, of course, is never optimal. You know, I mean. Yeah. It, uh, we actually lowered the monitors so they were head high and blowing right at them versus up a little higher. Um, but everybody agreed that it wasn't the monitoring. It was just the vocals were too low in a lot of the mixes. That I think people get shy about their vocals when yeah. they're the ones singing. Yeah, it, that know? could be. It's a point of insecurity for a lot of people. So, okay, we've covered uh, the device could be an iPad or yeah. it could be a MacBook Pro could or it could MacBook be a Pro. desktop computer. And depending upon what you want to do, I mean, it could be an old MacBook yeah. for that matter, you know? I mean, if you're only wanting to record a vocal or, or a vocal and guitar or two tracks at most of the time, yeah. you don't need a ton of firepower, you know? Um, 
the laptop I'm using right now is like a five or six year old MacBook Pro. I happened to buy a really beefy one at the time, so yeah. it's got an i7 chip in it, and I think I've got yeah. eight gigs of RAM in it, and maybe a terabyte hard drive. Yeah. So you know, it, it's still beefy by today's standard and, and would work. Um, I mean, the one thing you want to look at, you know, when you buy your MacBook is spend an extra 50 bucks and get a 7,500 RPM hard disk. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's little things like that that are really cheap but make a huge amount of difference. Um, you know, I've never owned a computer with a solid state drive in it. Um, does that help at all with, you know, when you're recording stuff to have a solid state drive versus a spinning hard drive? It does. I mean, in general, if you can, you want to record the data onto an external drive, a second drive. Yeah. You know, but yeah, solid state drive is definitely, yeah, I think you could probably, with a solid state drive, you actually maybe that, that adage of, you know, recording to an external drive is, is kind of, might be not an issue anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so interface. Oh, I also wanted to bring up um, the one I always bring up, uh, I've got one at home, which is, uh, I can't remember, the Apogee. Apogee, uh, I knew say that. Yeah, I've, I've got an <laughs> Apogee one, a fairly old one that they gave me five or six years ago, and the thing just sounds so amazingly good, and there's nothing that my daughter and I have ever found that didn't work well through that. The, the, the built-in mic on that thing sounds amazingly good. Yeah. Um, the converters sound great, but... I'm, it's a fair statement to say Apogee makes some of the, you know, I mean, there are esoteric, really expensive converters, but for the average guy on the street, Apogee's kind of like the Mercedes of converters. It, it really is. It's a really, really good, good solid choice. So, yeah. you know, and what does an Apogee one cost? Even the newer version, which I understand is really slick. Aren't those like 300? I think they are. Yeah, yeah. I think they're about 300 bucks. So that's yeah. got a built-in mic and great converter in it. Um, so... You know, something I want to take a minute yeah. out, you know, because we asked, we're talking about prices. And I think one thing that's really important to understand is um, is how pricing works. Because if you guys are on a budget, you know, you obviously, and you have a certain amount of money to spend, you don't want to spend more money than you have to spend, right? Right. So <clears throat> um, there's this thing called MAP, which is, stands for Minimum Advertised Price. And when you go on to, like, if you go on to Westlake Pro's website, or you go on to Sweetwater, or you go on to Guitar Center, in 90% of the products are going to have be on that site for the exact same price, right? Okay. And that's the map price. Right. Some of those products, Apache being an example, we got to sell them at that price. Right. It, it means that we might be able to throw in a cable or we might be able to throw in something, but we still have to charge that price. A lot of the stuff we don't. So that so then it becomes sort of a game of, you know, how do you, you know, you know, Michael, you want to buy, you know, this interface right. and it says $400 online and you don't want to pay $400. So how do you get the price, you know? Well. And depending, you know, again, depending upon the manufacturer, you might be able to have an add to cart discount on the site, you know. Oh, somebody somebody logs into an account, you oh, know. Okay. You might be able to chat, you know. But the sure way to find out is to actually call a human being on the phone and... Because a lot of manufacturers, they will say, like, the only way you can give a discount is, verbally. is, is you know, in a human interaction. Which I've got to say, one of the reasons that we've got the relationship with Westlake that we've got, and, you know, it all started with the guys um, with West L.A. back in the day. These guys are well known. All the, not all, not 100%, but a huge percentage of the big rock stars that tour the country, they all go through L.A. at one point or another. 
and they know these guys. They've known them for you know decades, and they come to you because of that human interaction. I mean, they don't go to the big box stores. Uh, and yes, I am plugging them because you guys know me well enough to know I wouldn't plug. I don't get anything. I don't get. Fr- have I ever gotten a free anything from you guys? I can think of. You no. might have. I don't know. No, no I don't no. think so. <laughs> I, I haven't even gotten a free cable from you yeah. guys. Um, you know what? I've never bring you a cable. Next, next time I come. <laughs> I could have used a guitar stand at the rail. I did ask you right. for a I guitar bring, stand. I was going to bring my own guitar <laughs> stand from home, right? We were about, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes before the open mic, and somebody said, We don't have guitar stands, and we're going to have to put these beautiful PRS guitars um, in their cases on the stage. And I said, Somebody's going to step right through that thing. So uh, I think my wife and I and my daughter jumped in the car. I asked Peter, and he said, man, I bring you one of my own tomorrow. Yeah. So we, we ran out and bought a guitar stand and made it back in time. But um, anyway, the human interaction thing is a big deal. Um, it's a big deal. I mean, we, you know, we, we do. We, have, we just built a – actually, we built four studios for Snoop yeah. just recently. Why? Uh, oh, Jessica. in a complex? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, does he have like yeah, four it's houses? Insane he, too. Yeah. But, uh, built a studio for Jessica Simpson recently. We built a studio for um, Ziggy Marley recently. And I mean, so I mean, there is all of that. But but part of it too is like you know, if you want to save a couple bucks on a on, your, on a two hundred dollar interface that you're saving for, give us a call because yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. I forgot to do, I was going to do a solid for you today and I forgot to do it. So let's mention it here. You guys are doing a Cyber Monday thing, right? And how, is that still going yeah, on this, now? Yeah, there's like a like pile of deals going on right now. Until uh, what time tonight? Until midnight, midnight yeah. West Coast time. All right. So when we're done with the show, you can go to westlakepro.com yeah. and, and take care of business on. Uh, and it's on- actually, I mean, if you're interested, there actually is a chat window open. So if you have any questions, you can, uh, you can go right now. While, while you watch this. Yeah. Or or watch a lot and then go. Yeah. But no. Yeah. That's watch okay. A lot and ask a small <laughs> question. Um, okay. So now let's get down to the microphone for the, the beginning setup. They want something good enough. And, and those beginning starting people are going to come in two varieties. They're either going to be primarily an acoustic guitar player um, or they're going to be a keyboard player. And yeah. in either case, they're probably going to do some vocal work, although they could be just doing instrumental cues. So what's a really good all-arounder microphone that's going to work great on vocals, great on acoustic guitar, maybe great on, you know, some hand drums? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say a large diaphragm condenser is, you know, is yeah. the way to go. Um, and, uh, yeah. and, you know, and it used to be like a few years ago when, when sort of China became ascendant, you know, yes. is there were some companies that, you know, that, that figured out how to make really decent microphones for what at the time was a little bit of money, you know, like companies like SE Electronics and right. uh, Studio Projects, I think I had a pair of Studio Project mics and, um, you know, in the early days of, of making Chinese mics, well, now everybody, every manufacturer, you know, has mics made in China and like Audio Technica is a perfect example that have really the entire have, line is made. Well, no, but I mean they have some really inexpensive mics that are really good value. Like how inexpensive? One hundred twenty nine bucks. Wow. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, there is a Black Friday deal on the Audio Technica stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's like some 
Pretty um, stupid deal. Going I, on. I, I've never heard uh, stupid deal. <laughs> stupidly good. Yeah. I, I've never heard anybody say anything but good stuff about um, Audio Technica mics and what is the thirty three forty that was kind of the flagship yeah, mic. Thirty forty. Or yeah. Thirty forty. Whatever. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever their flag flagship right. early microphone yeah. was. That I know that everybody I've ever known that has one of those. That's like one of the first three they pull out on anything. Yeah. That's yeah, like. Gonna try it on vocals. Gonna try it on a guitar. Gonna try it on whatever. But um, so, how much is this whole system? Let's assume that somebody's already got a laptop. Yep. Um, and they really just need to buy the interface and the microphone. And what's their budget? Well, I, you tell me. Um, and, and they're gonna need monitors. They're gonna need monitors. Yes. Uh, and let's talk about monitors. All right, monitors. All right, I can't. Yeah, monitors. You know, there are a number of same thing. There are, you know, when I put together my first system, I bought uh, the Alesis that everybody had at the time, you know. Yeah. was that Alesis power amp and the passive Alesis monitors, which were really inexpensive and really sounded like they were inexpensive, yeah. you know. Um, right now, there are, there are uh, JBL has a series, 300 series, the 305 are, yeah, you know, I think under 150 a monitor, wow. and they're really, really decent. Are those the six ones with the six-inch woofer on them? Yeah, five-inch woofer, I think. Okay, yeah. and they're like, the, the box yeah. is about this yeah. big, right? Yeah, and then the yeah. 308s, which are the bigger ones, are, you know, not that expensive. I, I was blown away. I get nothing for this endorsement, and uh, I want you guys to know, I started out my career using JBL 4311s, which were a 12-inch three-way back in the day. Yeah. Everybody in the industry used them because the Yamaha NS10s, which are sitting behind me, hadn't been, maybe they were invented, but they weren't popular yet. And uh, the 4311s really didn't sound that great, but everybody used them, so we all knew what they sounded like. Well... Then I went to the Yamaha NS10s, and I thought all JBL products after that sounded like dog meat. Not that the NS10s are... they. If you want a speaker that makes everything sound wonderful, buy the small tannoys. They sound amazingly good. Yeah. But they probably sound too good. Um, the NS10s are pretty flat-sounding, and you really have to work to make things sound pretty coming out of them, as many of you guys know. And I was not a fan of JBLs, and I went there to talk to them about sponsoring the Road Rally, I think in 2013 or 2014, and they took me into the showroom and played me those monitors. I was blown away. It's a, they're amazing for the amount of money, right? They were the amazing price. at almost any price. Yeah. Of, you know, yes, I was listening in a listening room that they set up, but they, they weren't going through an EQ. They were running them flat, and I was not just amazed, but like breathless at how good they sounded. And so it's, uh, the five inches are 150 bucks a side. So I think so, bucks. yeah, about that. All right, yeah. so now let's assume somebody's going to invest 300-ish bucks yeah. to buy a pair of those. How? What can they do to not make them sound horrible when they put them in their home studio, which is probably on a tabletop or a desktop situation? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, there are, uh, you know, there are, I think one of one of them is called Mopad. There, there are you know like uh, sort of shocks. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the technical name is, which I'm not coming uh, up with. I, I, isolation thing. Isolation, so. yes. Yeah. Thank you for monitors, which are really good investment. I mean, yeah. you know, for thirty bucks, right? You know, you've got a really you know. Otherwise, your desktop is yeah. going to vibrate and be you know sympathetically resonating with your monitors and probably boost your bottom end. And if you bought the monitors and you had to wait to spend the thirty bucks, I 
get like a couple mouse pads. There you something, go. something that's going to absorb yep. shock. You know, that's that's going to put something between because if the monitors are sitting right on the desk, the the desk is vibrating with low frequency. And, <laughs> if you yeah. notice when you put your elbow on the desk and listen like that, yeah. it sounds one way, and then you lift your elbow off and it sounds another way. Good chance you need to isolate isolators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's an interesting um, product too, and it's called Sonarworks that. They came in and demonstrated it to us recently, and it's a speaker calibration software. So wow. it basically, and there's a couple of companies that make it. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, but basically, you know, once you get your room set up to the best of your ability, you know, it's a plug-in, and it basically figures out what's wrong with your room, and then, you know, sort of puts in an EQ on your recording software so your room sounds right. So the, what's coming out of the speakers. Sound I mean, right to you. That's pretty heady stuff. Back in my day, you know, back in the 70s, they would tune rooms and they had to have B&K microphones and they yeah. would get out yeah. and measure the triangle, you know, just so you know, you, you want your listening position to be equidistant from the yeah. monitor should be equally yeah. as far apart as you are from the monitors. So it's yeah. like a, a perfect, is that called an isosceles triangle? Uh, I guess if it's, uh, it's equilateral. If it's, or equilateral, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I wasn't good at geometry. <laughs> Algebra, geometry, trigonometry, never got that far. Uh, okay, that's incredible. Um, and they actually sell, I mean, that system is like, I think about $250, but for like, I think the neighborhood of like 69 bucks, something like that, you can get, uh, they have, they have um, these profiles done for different headphones. So uh, and they don't have it done for every headphone, but they have it done for the headphones that they feel are potentially something that you could mix on if you had to. Okay. And, you know, which includes some of the AKG and Audio Technica headphones. So it makes your headphones sound like monitors? Sound flat, and... yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's huge, especially it's for really people cool. working in a, an apartment or, you know, in a, a small home. You don't want to wake your spouse up or something and you work on Yeah. That's I mean, great. I mean, the, you know, the bottom line is that, I mean, it's an incredible time, you know. And, and the bottom line is you get no excuse, right. you know. <laughs> the only excuse you have is, is if you're lazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it can be done. It can be done on the way cheap. It can be done within whatever budget, you know, that somebody, you, you have. Somebody giving you props saying, Peter, help me at last year's road rally. that you burned a couple CDs for him. Thanks, Peter. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, he's, he's, yeah. he's one of you guys. Um, what's that product called again? Sonarworks. And, and we have that also. I'm I'm quite amazed because I, I would think that you know again back in my day I mean uh, like when I worked at Criteria um, and Tom Dowd who we'll talk about later um, would come in and be the guinea pig in a new room let's say uh, we had an engineer named Don Gaiman who was a very smart guy and he would bring in a system I can't remember the name of it and, and spend the whole day with white noise and pink noise you know measuring all the early reflections yeah. late reflections and, and tuning the room. Uh, and that was like you needed two smart people and a very expensive piece of gear to do it. So this thing does it for two hundred fifty bucks, and, yeah. and it actually works. Well, it's not going to exactly turn your bedroom into Skywalker Ranch, but you know. <laughs> but nevertheless, I mean, I, I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I'm mixing a project right now. I had a, uh, a singer-songwriter who came from Germany in September, and I'm just finishing up the mixes. And I moved about four months ago, and I had a studio in the back of my house, my old house. I have nothing in my new house yet. Okay. So I have, I'm set up in like the breakfast nook of my kitchen. I'm mixing. 
<laughs> and I've put up a bunch of, I have a bunch of acoustic panels right, on. And I'm looking, he's got a wedding ring on. I'm that's amazed. A, that's right. <laughs> it's not going over that well, trust me. But but no, but anyway, it's a total gorilla setup and uh you know, and if you know, if you take a little time to think about it and you know, do a little, t you know, just but you tune it the best you can, you can make it work. But you know this stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you've been around it now and you can go to work and ask people and just know, for those of you who haven't done it before, um, you know, set up a simple system. It really isn't that hard, but there are a few basic rules. Like, don't push yeah. a pair of monitors up against uh, the wall. Yeah, up yeah. against the wall, you know. Yeah. Um, if you've got a couple of old blankets or moving blankets or pillows that you can stuff down by your feet, base builds up underneath that surface. So if you can stick stuff under there that will soak up some of that base, you'll get a better idea. Um, okay, so the system we're talking about, let's say you spend, uh, you know, 350 bucks for the monitors okay. with yep. tax and 300 for the interface. Yeah. Okay, uh, so you're looking at $650. And what did you say for the microphone? I'd say, you know, if you, if you had to, you could spend like 120, 130 bucks for a pretty decent, yeah, like you know, surprisingly good for what yeah. it costs microphone. Yeah. And, you know, although, you know, as we said before, it's like the microphone is the most important thing. Yeah. So that's the place you might want to put a little bit extra dough. Um, you know, if, you, if it was like microphone or monitor, you might even want to work on headphones for a little while and spend a little bit more dough on the microphone. Uh, you know, I know people are kind of loath to work on headphones, but the bottom line is you can mix on headphones. You've just got to listen back to your mixes on some other system. Very true. To check yeah, it. Because absolutely. headphones will make them sound pretty. Yeah. Um, and then you take it elsewhere and you realize that there's just like yeah. too little bottom end because the headphones, you get the proximity effect of them being yeah. smashed up against your ears. Um, all right, so we're looking at somewhere around uh, under a thousand bucks. Yeah, assuming that you've got the laptop. Or, so for a thousand bucks, I mean, you know, it's not nothing, but it, it ain't yeah. a lot. And, uh, and and if a thousand bucks is impossible to do, you can you can still get started. I mean, I I personally think yeah the key is to just get started. You know, get started. If you have to, you know, start with GarageBand and use the microphone on your iPad, get started. You know, don't make an excuse of like I can't afford this stuff that they're talking about. Get started. Right? If nothing else, yeah, use uh, first of all GarageBand. You guys know I'm a fan of GarageBand. It gives you a lot for no money, um, and it's a great way to learn because anything you learn on GarageBand is going to translate in one way or another to um, using Pro Tools. You're going to learn how to edit. You're going to learn how to loop. You're going to learn, yeah. you know, the basics yeah. of digital recording. On um, the uh, the other thing about microphones is people tend to want to go buy. Look, we'd all love to drive a Ferrari. Yeah. Everybody exactly. wants, a, you know, a whatever expensive car. Um, but you don't need a $3,000 Neumann microphone yeah. to, to do this anymore. That's right. No, you really don't. I mean, it's nice if you have the dough. Right. They're, they're beautiful. Yeah. You know? They will sound consistently yeah. wonderful, from yeah. the, which is one of the problems that people have with Chinese manufactured stuff um, is the quality control. Uh, and I've heard that, um, you know, three of the same microphones manufactured in China that sounded very yeah. different. One sounded horrible, one sounded okay, yeah. and another one sounded amazingly good. 
Yeah. So uh, I think that the quality control issues have been debugged to some extent some over extent. the last five yeah. years, probably. And I'm sure that some of the bigger manufacturers like uh, AT or AKG, if they're manufacturing stuff in China, they're not letting crap go out the door because it would ruin their brand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's your basic home setup. Um, and I will, I'd like to interject that we hear stuff get placed in TV shows where it, it blows my mind. It sounds like somebody actually did it in GarageBand with nothing more than the built-in mic on the laptop. And it sounds that way because it's like um, indie folk or indie yeah. singer-songwriter yeah. stuff. And it's really intended to be kind of lo-fi because it adds to the mood and the ambiance of what they're doing. That can work. And once again, just even by using that stuff, at least you're learning how to use it. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, that's that to me is just so the key yeah. to things. It's just to get you, you want to be in the game, you got to get in the game. Yeah. You can't make excuses. I, you know, I, I personally, I have, I have a, it's kind of pushes my button because I've worked over the last few years with a couple of artists that, um, that are just spectacular. I mean, all they would really need to do is show up. And they'd have, you know, they might not be Adele, they might not have that career, but they'd have a career. Wow. And for whatever reason, they couldn't show up. You know, it's like, you know, one who um, recorded this, we recorded a six-song EP, I think, and she's, you know, we, and she actually, you know, spent a lot of money recording it. And it was phenomenal. And, you know, she we got it done, we got it mixed, we got it mastered, and she started to have doubts, self-doubt about this, self-doubt about that, you know, and... And two years later... Still wasn't done? No. And I think she actually yeah. re-recorded a couple of the songs recently. And, you know... Yeah. Um, but Steve, yeah, but that's the, that's the thing. It's like, put it out there. It's never going to be perfect. I'm looking you over know? there at my little taxi cab with the cow in it. Yeah. The bumper sticker by the rear wheel. Uh, our members have a saying, which is, write, submit, forget, and repeat. Yeah, exactly. You know, because, and get the feedback. If, if, you know, yeah. if it sucks, it doesn't matter. Because if you got somebody to hear it and tell you that it sucks, you know you 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 can go back with something better, and they're going to be impressed. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you only get better by making mistakes. Yeah, I, I I I've never met anybody who came out of their mommy's belly amazing. Uh, they may have been born with a gift, but they had to develop the gift. Okay, let's move on to the yes. Intermediate Studio, which for, I, I'm guessing these guys watching the show, these are our core members, um, a lot of them are, and, and I would imagine that these guys would probably fall into the Intermediate category, which is they've probably spent 3500 to $10,000 mm -hmm. on their studio. So if that was your budget, if you already knew how to use Pro Tools, um and you're comfortable in the digital environment and you've got your $200 microphone, your $200 interface and your $350 speakers and you've become very good at that. And and by the way, so far we haven't even talked about um, any virtual instruments, which we can save for later. We're yeah. talking studio setup now yeah. and thinking of recording uh, acoustic instruments and vocals. So you're ready, you've graduated and you're ready to move on. How do you move on? What do you buy? All right. I mean, I'd, I'd look at a good mic, you know, yeah. and actually two two really good companies for the, for the money uh, were both with us at the taxi rally, right? which uh, Peluso, who just came out with a U87, which sounds phenomenal, U87 uh, clone. They have a U47 clone, a 251 type, you know, 
and they're sort of in the, I don't know, you know, seven, eight hundred right. thousand dollar neighborhood. Does yeah. the two fifty one sound like a two fifty one? It's it sound does it sound like a well, ten thousand dollar two fifty one? Almost. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Almost. Yeah, that's like me asking if a you know an eleven seventy six plug in sounds like an eleven seventy six. Yeah. No, not yeah. exactly, but it still sounds really damn good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other is Mojave. Yeah. Which our our buddy Dusty Wakeman, who's a really cool producer, former studio owner who now uh Runs Mojave microphones. Dusty, hey. you gotta know. Dusty's one of the great guys of all time. Uh, he and I've played golf once or twice. And we keep threatening to do cool. it again. So yeah. if Dusty's making it, you know, again, he's one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a yeah very cool guy, and uh, and makes some really nice mics. And they have they actually are headed into the stratosphere a little bit. Their newest one, which I can't remember the model, but it's around three thousand. Yeah, it's a beautiful mic. Uh, but they, you know, again, they start, you know, this stuff around 700, I think, you know, on up. And they make some fantastic mics for the money. Here's a tough question for you. Uh, okay, you're moving into that intermediate level and you've got um, $1,000 to play with. Would you personally buy $1,000 worth of microphone or two $500 microphones? Uh, that would depend upon what I wanted to do, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it really depends upon what you want to do. Uh, I would say, you know, a lot of people, and, you know, we haven't touched on virtual instruments. Right. But, you know, the, the, um, the really sort of, you know, like moment of clarity that I've had in the last couple of weeks mis mixing this project. And, you know, I had like a lot of outboard gear. I would go through outboard equalizers when I was mixing. I was, I'd go through not a ton of stuff, you know, but still stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And I've realized... Mm -hmm. In doing this project I'm working on right now, that you can do it in the box, yeah. you know. And so, if you're uh, a singer-songwriter and your and your instrument is keyboards, you might need one vocal mic. Period. Yeah. End of discussion. Right. Yeah. And if you are you an know, acoustic guitar player, if you're an acoustic guitar player, right. then you know maybe you want to have a little bit different flavor than what your vocal mic would be. And, and frankly, I'm kind of running through a list of microphones that I'm familiar with. So many of them are actually great for acoustic guitars and vocals that you could probably make that choice, you know, an all-arounder, too. Um, yeah. Gosh, uh, like the AT mics that I've heard? Yeah. I'd use those all day long on an acoustic guitar or a vocal, assuming it's kind of a normal vocal, you know, not somebody who's like, really sibling or somebody um yeah you know for a wispy female voice you might want to use a different mic than you'd use for a gravelly guy yeah. voice and then if you're you know if you want to record you want to record the shakers that were sold at the taxi I, rally you know yeah that might be a different mic you know uh do you guys ever have do you guys let stuff go out like if somebody lives locally um can somebody like Pay for a mic, try it for a weekend, and return. Do you have demo loan versions? We do of have stuff? demos. It depends upon you know. It depends on what we have, what's in, what's out. But yeah, we do. Because that would be we a do. smart way to go. Because you know, a lot of times, look, I, I'm not a fan of some of the websites where everybody's a friggin' expert, and, and, and they don't know. A lot of times, they're yeah. just parroting what they've heard Absolutely. from other people. Absolutely. And, and you could end up buying something. Uh, I bought my parents one of those grill thingies, like a panini maker that I kept seeing on TV. 
and all the reviews online for this thing had like 4.7 out of 5 stars. And I got them the thing and sent it to them for, I don't know, whatever holiday. And they called me up and they said, we're embarrassed to tell you this, but everything we make on this sucks. <laughs> so, you know, reviews yeah. don't always count. Yeah. Uh, if they could have, uh, they ended up taking it back and Bed Bath & Beyond was really nice about that. But yeah, for a That's microphone, Bed Bath I mean, Beyond is for. Yeah. <laughs> take stuff back, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> but, you know, for a microphone, um, you don't know until you try it on your yeah. voice in your room with your gear if it's really going to work. So that's yeah. nice that you guys do that. No, we can, and, and we can also set up shootouts, you know. Right. I mean, we, you know, I mean, honestly, probably not going to get a salesperson to spend an hour shooting out $100 mics. Right. But, you know, that's just, but if you're interested in something that's, you know, you're trying to make a decision about a really serious piece of gear that you're making a big investment in, that, you know, we could definitely set something up. One of the cool things about the people that come to the road rally, I, I told Peter this story years ago, uh, back when we did the road rally, at, not the Renaissance in Hollywood, the Renaissance near LAX. I remember that we had a Pro Tools mixing surface. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a $20,000 piece of gear. And one of our members actually bought that thing. <laughs> At the road yeah. rally for twenty grand, so you never know. I mean, some you know, look, we've got plastic surgeons that make a lot of money that love to do music, and they can afford a twenty thousand dollar piece of gear. Sure. So Peter told me last year uh, at the rally they had a, and we don't have to mention the member's name or anything, but uh, they made contact, and met Peter at the rally, and then after the fact they had you basically build out an entire studio, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you guys do packaging where. Somebody, you spend a lot of time with somebody and find oh, yeah. out what their real needs are and then design a system for them within their budget. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. No, yes. as a matter of fact, the, uh, uh, the person who builds kind of the, the, the higher budget studios is, is this gentleman, Jerry Steckling, who actually did design Skywalker Ranch. Wow. Yeah. Does he have any credits? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, Okay, back to our intermediate studio now. So they've got a nice, uh, you know, like Pro Tools HD. Yeah. Um, and let's say they're going to, you know, drop uh, 750 bucks up to three grand on their microphone. Uh, what else? Monitors. Monitors. And monitors, you know, sort of all the way up the chain, there are really good deals to be had. I mean, I have uh, at home, I have. A Presonus mics, uh, monitors, These, yeah. uh, they're called Scepter, and I have like a Scepter 8th or 8-inch mics, and they are, I think, $1,600 for the pair, but, you know, sort of compared to monitors that cost three, three times that much. Wow. You know, uh, Presonus has some really... And, know, and that was like, that's the street price, not the Peter I work yeah, with price? Yeah, that's the street <laughs> okay. price, yeah. And they occasionally have deals. I mean, we actually had a deal on them uh, at the road rally for the five-inch ones where I think he was buy one and get one free or something. So they were like really kind of, you know, maybe $600 for the pair for the five-inch. You know, I should have asked you this before the rally and I should have asked you this before we went on camera, but at the road rally, do you find that people buy stuff that they can fit in their suitcase and take home easily? Um, what is a taxi member, you know, what do they mostly buy at the road rally? From uh, they, they buy, you know, people will buy headphones and so forth, I guess, to sort of do whatever they're going to do at the rally. Interesting. And the bigger stuff usually gets shipped home because, especially if somebody came from out of state, because then we'll ship it free and, and they don't have to pay any tax. 
Um, you know, if they take it at the at the rally, they have to pay state California tax. Right. So, so the bigger stuff gets shipped. Typically. All right. So, yeah. um, I'm trying to think what other stuff you sell at the rally. I mean, understand they they don't sell instruments. I I wish you guys sold ukuleles. I think I, I might have had that conversation with you before because that's the one thing we miss about having West LA there is they sold a ton of ukuleles. Um, we'll just have to bring ukuleles next time. Uh, I seriously, I, I remember, um, I can't remember his name, the the unforgettable guy whose name I can't remember from West L.A. told me that that was their biggest selling item. Do you uh, think? But do you think ukuleleism has peaked? Or? You know, everybody keeps thinking that it's going to, but it doesn't. I mean, watch TV and you'll see how many commercials, um, stupidly simple little instrumental things, in commercials that are all not many many uke driven commercials you would think you know but for a hundred bucks you think it could be like a space thing as people are having to move into smaller apartments that, i don't know they, you know what it is it's a friendly happy instrument and commercials is. commercials is. always want stuff that's emotionally upbeat and it, it's pretty hard to get depressing on a uke so all right uh so those monitors again that you got for your setup? Uh, those were the um, Prasanna Scepter. Uh, Focal has some great new monitors. Yeah. Beautiful monitors. Um, I mean, we have, you know, everything from stuff that's, you know, I think Mackie makes some pretty decent monitors that are like $100 a pair, if that's what your budget is, you know. Up to, we in our back room right now, we have uh, $60,000 pair of monitors from Oceanway Studios designed by Alan Sides. So we got a range, you know. I mean, do you even let people hear those? Because afterwards, oh, yeah. everything else would sound depressing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Also, I guess some some people want to spend the sixty grand. Wow. Okay, I got to ask, what did Snoop spend? What did Snoop get for his monitors? I think some of that is still up in the air. He's yeah. bought some, and I don't know the answer to that. God, somebody told me what he put in the main room, and I can't. Remember, there might have been ATC, which ATC are really... Like big honking. Yeah. yeah. ATC, I mean, they start, they make a nice budget model for about, I don't know, seven grand a pair. You and, know who's back in business? You you would know this better than I, but Keith Clowder, uh from KRK. Ah. He's the guy that invented KRKs back in like 1986 or 87. I met him when I moved out here. And... Um, he eventually sold the company, but I got an email from him right before the road rally, like maybe the day before, saying he's back in business building a new monitor. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, there... I didn't know that. Yeah, um, there's a guy who is passionate about his monitors. Yeah, you know, he's not really a business guy. He's a monitor guy. Yeah. So uh, I've got to say, whatever he builds is worth checking out. Keith was... was Passionate about that stuff. Let's see, yeah. what's going on? Uh, I'm just seeing if anything interesting is going yeah. by on the uh, here. You commercials, uh, and always wonder. <laughs> did one of my taxi friends write that? Probably. Awesome. Um, okay, so um, now for that person with the intermediate studio, they've probably treated their room to some extent. They're not going to put all that stuff on a desktop and, and put a little um, Sonics foam up on the yeah. call today. Yeah. Uh, can you guesstimate? I know this is a tough question, but can you guesstimate what they might anticipate spending taking a 10 by 12 bedroom or that size of an area in a basement and treating it acoustically well enough that 
because you wouldn't want to take a you know three to three thousand dollar pair of monitors and yeah. put it on a desktop. Right? No, no, you're absolutely right. You'd probably be better off with the three hundred dollar monitors yeah. and spending a couple thousand in room treatment. So, but are they going to spend you know two grand on on room treatment or? You know, I think it's the type of thing where you can make a difference for three hundred bucks. Wow! You know, right. you can make a difference, yeah. and you can pr pretty much go on from there. And but yeah, if you have two or three thousand dollars to spend on on your room, that's I think you're going to be really solid. You know. And what would you think is the biggest offender um, that somebody who's graduated from beginner to intermediate? And they want to have the room uh, sound good enough that they can enjoy those Genlex or whatever. Um, is it more about getting rid of early reflections? Is it more about trapping the bass? What are the most common offenders that well, you? Well, I mean, I think the early reflections are kind of the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. You know, because if you, you know, basically, it's early reflections being the first place that the sound will hit the ceiling and hit the walls mm -hmm. as it's coming out of the monitors, and those are are very easily treatable by, you know, making some sort of panel that, that you put up where those early reflections hit, you know. Right. Base is obviously the not the low-hanging fruit because it's just really expensive to deal with, you yeah. know, and it takes a lot of mass and a lot of stuff. So, you know, like... Do uh, tube traps work? Um, yeah, I, I mean... I've yeah. only been in a couple of rooms that had them, and the people who owned them said, yeah, they solved the problem. The, those are things <clears throat> look like... Uh, they're like almost on a Christmas tree stand, and they stand in the corner, and they're round. They're like the, the circumference of a coffee can, and they yeah, stand, yeah. you know, four feet high or something. Yeah. It's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, all of that stuff works, and it's just a matter of finding somebody who does a good job of making them and also maybe getting a little help. And, and you know, they're actually, um, uh, you know, like these designers, sort of like robots, uh, for a couple, I think Prime Acoustics and maybe Oralex has it too, which we sell both, um, where, you know, you put in the dimensions of the room and they'll spit out, you know, all right, you want to spend $1,000? Here's what our recommendation is. Nice. And it's, yeah, and it is. I mean, it's and it's a lot more viable than, you know, to get one of these guy a guy who's who that's their expertise to even walk in your room is going to maybe cost a big chunk of your budget. Um, you know? John Storick, who's one of the preeminent studio designers on the planet Earth, um, I've known him since 75-ish. Um, he, he does huge, I mean, anything from like uh, arena-sized things down to home theaters for super-duper rich people to big rock star home studios. His first project was Electric Lady in uh, New York for Jimi Hendrix. Sweet. So he's been doing it for a long time, and he, he's definitely like a class A kind of guy. Years ago, when I started Taxi, I asked him, why don't you build a studio in a box, kind of like a, you know, yeah. an A range, B range, and C range thing. And he said, because there are no two situations that would ever call for the same treatment. But now, entering in your room dimensions, yeah. Um, you know, is it a sheetrock room with a carpet floor, a sheetrock room with a wood yeah, floor, all yeah. that stuff, and being able to have a robot uh, or, you know, a computer yeah. tell you what you need? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what else have we missed in our intermediate room? We've talked microphones, monitors. Um, we already know we've got Pro Tools HD. Um, oh, um, outboard gear or plugins? Because now, now we're not using uh, the built-in stuff necessarily on Pro Tools, which I understand from a lot of people sounds really, really good. It's kind of like 
if you've got an SSL console with the built-in limiters and noise gates in every channel, that stuff sounds amazingly good. Well, Do you really need, you know, some esoteric tube, whatever? I would say, you know, that there's a lot more important things to buy than okay. outboard gear right now. I mean, obviously. What are know. they? <clears throat> well, um, you know, just what we've been talking about, about yeah. tuning your room and, and great monitors and... Uh, um, you know, microphones, yeah, I guess microphones, outboard gear. But I mean, as far as like, uh, you know, actual physical compressors and EQs, I would say that's somewhat down the list. Okay. You know, I, I still usually will take my mixes out to a, an SSL type compressor. I have an Allen Smart um, and, I, and I, I will use that, but you don't have to, you know, the, yeah. the, the plugins become in better and better and better. And when, when Pro Tools 11 came out, I was like, taking stems of my mixes out into a summing box, an analog summing box. Uh, and the summing box was like an expensive box. It was like a $4,000 box. Wow. And, and you know, I listened to, you know, I, I, I did an experiment and I took a mix that I'd done and I did it totally internally when Pro Tools 11 came out. And I was like, it wasn't the same, but it also was really good. And I decided I was going to, I sold the summing box. Wow. You know? It wasn't $4,000 better with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I thought like, you know what? The summing box isn't going to be worth $4,000, you know, I, I, in a I, year. I know an A-list mastering engineer in Los Angeles. And no, it's not Hans DeKlein, who was at the Red Rally, but another guy who is, you know, top of the line guy. And, uh, I was there with a taxi band that was getting something mastered for a major label. And they invited me to come to the mastering session. I really felt like I didn't belong there, uh, but I went along for the ride. Uh, and when everybody left the room, the mastering engineer said to me, I know who you are, you know, uh, that you worked at Criteria and everything. He said, can I let you in on a little secret? I said, sure. He said, can't tell anybody this, okay? Yeah. All right. So I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, but his secret was he had an old, um, the, uh, was it Ampex that made the closed loop tape machine? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, not Ampeg, but I think it was actually Ampex, Ampeg. yeah. Yeah. So he just went in and out of that machine and never hit tape. He would yeah, go, yeah, yeah. he would take his two mix out uh, of his console. Yeah and feed it right into the input side of that tape machine, let it go through the input electronics, and then just go right back out. And, and it was amazing when you went to, you know, in, in or out and A beat it. Yeah. That machine sounded so good that that's why everybody went, oh, your mastering sounds so amazing. It was just the sound of that machine. Wow. And this was, that machine was already 25 years old by the time he was using it for that. So and you that never machine's know. probably been modeled for some plug-in at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was amazing. It was like anybody off the street could have heard the difference. It sounded just like yeah. honey dripping. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I want to hear from you guys. How many of you guys have between $3,500 and $10,000 invested in studio gear? Give me a plus one if you would fall into that category. Or a plus two if it's more. Yeah. Okay, so plus one if you're between thirty-five hundred and ten grand. Plus two if you're ten grand or over. And um, and send your address. I'm kidding. Don't send your address. Well, I need to start writing down some questions I see floating by. 
plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus two. Aha! Sweet. Wow. All right, so like I guess, yeah. most of the people watching yeah. the show, these are intermediates or more than intermediates. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Um, wow. <laughs> Look at that. We're definitely talking to the right people. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, well, obviously, when you've got plus, questions... Plus one, unless you're talking about plugins. All right. Um, yeah, plugins count. Yeah. Difference between Pro Tools and Logic. All right, I'll go for that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, difference between uh, Pro Tools and Logic Pro X. All right. Uh, first of all, Logic Pro X is an unbelievable value, right? I mean, it's it's a, a really robust. I don't know. I'm you know, taking it's, your word you know, it's a re robust recording package. It comes with a bunch of plugins. It comes with. Uh, and now it comes with uh, Alchemy, which is one of my favorite soft since Apple bought it, which is it Alchemy itself is worth more than the two hundred dollars that logic costs, you know Wow. So having said that, um, I'm a pro tools guy. Uh, and, and part of the reason is that, that that's what I learned and I'm you know and I'm, and I'm really pretty good at it. Uh, but the major reason is is that, if I want to be, if I want my session to be portable, I know that I can pretty much take it anywhere, and I don't have to, you know, go through, jump through any hoops to convert the, you know, the session. Uh, I can just take it to another studio. I can record drums. I can, you know, if I, if I want to get, you know, if you wanted to get drums done online, and you have the session going, you most likely can send the Pro Tools session to the to the drummer that you're. That you're working with online, uh, and that in itself is again, if you're kind of if you're in that part of the the game, you know, um, I think at a certain level you kind of have to have Pro Tools. Now, having said that too, I, I think that you know, I I own a few dots. I use uh, Ableton Live pretty regularly. Uh, I think Persona Studio One is really cool. It's Got some really unique stuff, and you know, and so I think in a perfect world, um, you might want to consider, you know, having a workflow where where you can move between DAWs. I think it's fairly universally accepted that Pro Tools is the best platform to mix on. Why? It's just that. Well, to me, it's the way it's set up. It just makes sense. Okay. You know, it makes sense, and. Um, and it has a number of tools that I've gotten used to. And that, then again, this is my this is my interface with it. But there's a number of tools that I really rely on to um, to you know as in my workflow of making sure that I can I can do my best to do to the mix that Pro Tools has that the other guys don't have. Yeah. My uh, 15 year old daughter said to me on Saturday night she was watching. I've got a uh, I just bought my first new phone in like six years last June and it's a Samsung Galaxy S6 Edge so it's a pretty nice phone um, and my daughter said dad when you use your phone you and mom both do this where and she said 
it's all about that. So I realized that I'm even old school in the way I touch my phone because old yeah. habits die hard. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who's used to doing punch-ins on an MCI tape machine's remote where you go boom, you know, and you just like really had to whack that record button to make yeah. sure that you got in or out in time. Um, what do you think about surfaces? If I someday I'm gonna sell taxi and retire and go back to just making records for fun because nice. it, it's what I love. You know, I feel like I'm flying an F-16 yeah. when I do it, and I love doing it. Um, I, I do miss it from time to time. And I saw the Stephen Slate thing. I can't remember what it's called. The but, Raven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it basically looks like the topography of an analog console that has all the functionality of the yeah. digital world. Yeah. Are, are those things catching on, not just his product, but any others like it? Or do I, I, I can't see me. I watch Rob Shirelli, who's probably my closest friend, making records, big, huge records for, you know, like mega stars. And he uses a, um, a trackball. Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, how the hell can you mix with, you know, your fingers like that? Andrew Sheps is mixing with a mouse right now. Yeah, it's yeah. like... But, I mean, it, it, again, it's all your workflow and also sort of how tweaky you get about stuff, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think that, like, if you listen to popular music, especially stuff that's sort of veers towards electronica, yeah. there's some real work that goes into the production of that. And that work is very much in the digital domain and it would definitely lend itself to more than a mouse. You know, it really, if you if you learned your way around some sort of surface, like the Slate Raven is really cool. They just came out with a new model, but they cut the price. It's a thousand bucks, 999 bucks for like, you know, what you could spend the same amount on that size Apple monitor. Yeah. You know, um, the Avid makes the S3, which is 5,000. Um, also, you know, where you can literally, you know, you have 16 channels, but you also can take, say, a plug-in and like, uh, spread the parameters of the plugins over those 16 channels. So now you can get in there and just sort of tweak, you know, the parameters of the plugin. And, and you know, which, you know, again, you'll, you hear that technology all over popular music today. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm amazed that, you know, people will use eight or ten kick drums all combined and layered. Yeah. You know, yeah. Back in my day, you moved the mic in or out of the kick drum and you compressed it or you EQ'd it and that was about it. Abbott has a really cool uh, product coming out in, it's supposed to be January, I think, it's called, uh, it's a dock. And essentially what it is, is the center section, the controller section from the S6 console, which is a console that, you know, again, it's a control surface, but it ranges between like 40 grand up to pretty much sky's the limit. And it's sort of the controller section of that, and then you put an iPad on, in it, and you can do a lot of that same controller, you know, stuff that we're talking about, yeah. you know, that the Slate does and and uh, and the S3 does for, you know, a total of about $1,000 plus the iPad. Is know? there any way to daisy chain the iPad so that if you wanted 24 faders laid That's out? That's a really them? interesting question. And I think that the answer is no, but I would yeah. imagine eventually it See, would I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that wants to reach for fader 18 yeah. over there yeah. just because that's how I learned. I don't know. I, I guess you could teach an old dog. I mean, that, that's really interesting is that's kind of a real um, factor in console design today. And the Avid S6, um, you know, was designed basically with the idea of like, all right, you're sitting here and you want to be able to reach everything. You know, so how do we put this all in a package that you can reach without sliding over to the side? Right. You know, and uh, and that makes sense. 
It's it was, not as impressive to look at. Yeah. Right. It was. I, I remember there was a guy. I, my studio in Fort Lauderdale was about a mile away from MCI, uh, which made uh, big consoles and tape machines back yeah. in the day. Not quite Neve quality, but yeah. it was a big manufacturer. Yeah. So I got to be the guinea pig whenever they came out with like a new transformer. They'd put one on every one of my channels or a new mic pre. They'd come over and drop them in. And uh, I remember one of their... Um, Text that they flew around the world to do installs and repairs. His name is Greg Lamping, now living in Costa Rica, smart guy. And Greg said to me, the day is going to come where a recording console will fit in a suitcase and channel one will be channel one or channel 18 or whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And that you could have one equalizer and be able to assign it to any channel. And my head almost exploded from trying to wrap my, my brain around that because I was so used to just reaching for stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. We'll see yeah. someday. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day. Is you know, is you know, if you look at like some of the science fiction writers who wrote about you know, like, right. like future yeah. you know, scenarios, which a lot of the stuff they get right, but the one thing that nobody got right is like how much power could be in something this size. Yeah, you know, what I mean, even Star Trek. You know, the communicators were bigger than this. Yeah, right. I, I was in Chicago the other day, and I was with my dad. He's 91 years old and still very with it, but he's got a very basic flip phone. His yeah. vision's not so good, so he can't really use um, you know, one of these guys. But he asked me some question, and uh, I went, where's the closest TGI Fridays? TGI Fridays is at 5919 Canoga Avenue, Woodland Hills. And And my dad was just like, amazed yeah, yeah, by yeah, that yeah. and uh i said dad there there's as much computing power because my dad does have an imac a fairly large fairly modern imac desktop at home and i said there's as much computing power in this phone as there is in your computer yeah i, I really truly thought dad's head was gonna explode yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay uh now let's move on to you're gonna drop uh ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars at this point you know, uh, the assumption is that you're very skilled and you really know what you're you're doing as far as using your gear. Yeah. What does that person need to consider? Um, I don't even know if we need to address it because if they're spending that, well, no, you know what? Yeah. They could be that doctor, uh, you know, plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills that has the money but not the knowledge. So let's go with that person. Let's assume that we've got somebody who's financially well off and is a high-end prosumer, um, what are they looking at getting into? I mean, I, I guess I'd look at some sort of console, you know? Why? Why A physical console, like like the yeah. SSLs or whatever that yeah. are price range 30 grand to 100 grand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that would be my, I, my reflex because I want to touch faders and reach for stuff, but... Uh, yeah, okay, I mean, what are some of your favorites? It's definitely something, yeah, to be said for that, you know, is still being able to put, you know, to have the tactile uh, connection to it. Um, what's the And best? also what? just, you know, as far as workflow, too, is if you if you have all of the EQs in front of you, you know, like one of the things that, I mean, that is frustrating to me, and but it's still basically the way I've, I've worked in, in, in recent days is... Yeah. You know, you have to figure out, all right, let's see, all right, I put um, uh, snare drum over here and this preamp, and then I put it through this compressor over here, and it's like, it's kind of this, you know, 
as, as you're going through the session, it can be a little discombobulating. Yeah. You're saying if you... And, you know, I mean, you tape it up, you know, you mark what's yeah. where and everything. But still, you know, to have everything in, you know, in a central place where you can really put your hands on it right away. You know, you wanted to put up a little 2K on that acoustic guitar. It's right there. You know, you have to go find where's that EQ I was using, you know. But isn't that most of, most of that's handled in the box anyway? I mean, you know, I mean, it's all in memory. So literally, yeah. you could go back to, uh, you know, a session that you did nine months ago in, in Pro Tools and just go, oh, I remember I love that acoustic guitar yeah. sound I got on Peter Malik. Yeah. And find that guitar sound and just, well, boom, there it is. On the well, I mean, I hear what you're saying. You know, and that's from and an I, old analog guy. And I don't disagree with you. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think there's still a certain, you know, one of the things that that I run into in, in mixing, especially some stuff that gets sent to me, is like there's just tons of noise. And digital, you know, one of the things about digital versus analog is it's really good at reproducing what comes in, mm -hmm. which includes all of the low rumble, right? You're talking room and, rumble and every yeah okay yeah and 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 when you're recording in a less than perfect environment, and now you have twenty, thirty, forty tracks yeah and it's all building up and it's and it's a digital mess you know. And that's because so, they didn't learn maybe rule number one or certainly recording yeah. one hundred and one, which is, uh, you know, anytime you're recording anything it doesn't need bottom end, use a high pass filter. Yeah, yeah. Because if but you've you have got to, the, you have to have a high pass filter in order to use a high pass filter, right? right? So, yeah. I mean, so there, there are things that, you know, I mean, hardware isn't totally obsolete yet, right? Um, <laughs> and some of it is smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah. it, you would know this better than I in today's environment. For, but for the guys that are spending the bigger bucks, they've got clients most likely. Uh, it may not be just for them. And clients uh, still get excited when they walk into a room and see bells, whistles, lights, and, and a mixing surface, right? That's, yeah, that's right. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, if you have a commercial studio and and somebody showed up and you have a beautiful tracking room and your control room is like, you know, uh, a Pro Tools rig on a on a little computer desk. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what Shirelli makes records on. Everything yeah. is done in the box. He's got a few pieces of outboard. He rarely uses them. He does have you know yeah. some incredibly expensive old compressor. I can't even remember what it is, but it's like the yeah. price of a, a good used car. Uh, but yeah, he uses his trackball and, and a beefy Mac, and uh, he does it on a desk. Yeah, you know, with a yeah. pair of NS tens or whatever. Yeah. And it is you know, I mean, the guy's an A list mixer, um, but he he rarely has clients come over. Yeah, yeah. You know, he gets whatever he gets twenty five, thirty five hundred dollars a mix, and people send him um, Pro Tools sessions. The the one thing that amazes me is. How much detail goes into fixes nowadays because you can, and, and that's a world that you live in that I never did. Uh, it, it's being able yeah. to tweak every note of everything everywhere, so people will get that ridiculous refine. Um, all right, let's move on to some questions. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's the large console thing. It definitely matters. Um, and the funny thing is, people who are in the know probably know that it, you know it, it's overkill. But it, it's like putting um, chrome wheels on a Ferrari. You know, it's, yeah. you already got the Ferrari. You might as well put the chrome wheels on. It. <laughs> uh, 
Come on, guys. Let's have some questions. Check your Facebook messages. Now we're talking about where people live. Uh, okay, so while we're waiting for questions to come in, because there is about a 20-second lag, uh, I want to remind you guys that before today's show is over, we are yeah. giving away, which I really appreciate you doing that, because he, he had to make some phone calls. Yeah. Um, a, is it pronounced Papin? Rob Papin. Rob Papin Punch. Yeah. Uh, tell him what the punch is, because well, I'd never heard of it until I went online and checked it out. Well, let me, let me tell you about Rob Papin in general. And... and uh, I had been unfamiliar. I mean, I'd seen the products and stuff, uh, but I'd never really used them. And uh, the Rob Pappen rep, you know, sort of, you know, gave me a bunch of stuff to try out. Right. And and it's just really, really impressive. And you get to take this stuff home and play with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it's it's software, so yes, I, it's a bunch of ones and zeros. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely virtual instruments. You know, some of them are, are you know, like, Drum synthesizers. Some of them are are VIs like keyboard, you know, sounds. Um, there's there's a guitar one that's really cool, but um, it's really they're really current instruments. They're current sounding, which is and they're very you know like the, the dynamic spectrum of a lot of the sounds are very uh, detailed, so that you know they really can sit well in a mix and it, and they you know it's kind of the you know to me it's it's he's really got his finger on the pulse of, of what stuff sounds like today that's being played. It's critically important. The members have heard me go on and on about this, but we hear guys and gals, people, that submit stuff to Taxi, and we all scratch our heads going, this is a, a very skilled composer. This person really yeah. knows what they're doing compositionally, but their strings sound like they're 15-year-old strings. I mean, they're just laughably out of date. And, and there's really... Strings and horns, in particular, are hard because of all the articulations and stuff you have to do. But drums, yeah, there's no excuse. Yeah, no, that's true. And even yeah, I mean, you can, it you can really get some pretty amazing sounds, you know, in the box at this point, right? And yeah. so anyway, I would look. Yeah. And anyway, it's a long-winded way of saying I would look at the Rod Papp and stuff. It's really cool. And and if you want to, you want to segue into the other. One yeah, two, which is, um, um, where which I is lost Isotope. Oh, yeah, the the uh, mastering software. Yeah, Ozone um, 6. All right. 7. 7. Yeah, I keep, I keep saying that. All right, Ozone 7. So, I'm you know, I, I got it right. Michael asked me, he said he, we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, if you wanted to master at home, what, right. what was the question? Well, look, uh, it's an unanswerable answer, sadly, but look, people... Nowadays at music libraries, they're starting to say, I want the stuff mastered. Yeah. Um, so people are wanting to run out and buy mastering software, and everybody's got an opinion as to what the latest greatest is. And of course, it's usually what they just bought, and, and they love it because they bought it. And they may have purchased it because they went on a forum somewhere, and everybody says, yeah, it's the best, I love it, it's great. You don't know until it's in your hands. And yeah. what is great for mastering one type of music may not be ideal for mastering another type of music. Yeah. I, I wouldn't use the same mastering software for you know operatic stuff or orchestral stuff yeah. as I would for hip-hop. Um, so 
Ozone is one that probably comes up most frequently. And I did hear one person say something really disparaging, which I can't remember now, but ozone in particular, they went, oh, you know, everybody uses it, but I wouldn't. But that's one guy's opinion. Well, so I mean, what's your take on I mean, ozone? My take is that if you want to try to do mastering at home, I'd buy a copy of ozone. I mean, it's, it's that simple. I mean, isotope Isotope's a fascinating company because I actually got, I think, version one of their stuff, and that was you know, at least 10 years ago at the NAMM show. And the, the the original software that they did, it was Ozone and this thing called Spectron, which I think they don't really update anymore, and Trash, the guitar um, effect plugin. I think that those were the three that they had at the time. And they were such ambitious products that they literally wouldn't run on the computers at the time. I mean, they would crash my, my Mac, and I had like a fairly robust Mac at the time. Wow. And, you know, and so for the first couple of years, I, I didn't use the isotope stuff that I had. And then finally, the technology sort of caught up to to their technology, you know. Right. And and they've really they've they've really worked really hard developing this product. And it's and it's I think it's just amazingly impressive. Um, and <laughs> it's how do you train your ears to use it, though, because. That's the thing. It's kind of like, yeah, I fly remote control airplanes, yeah. so I understand a lot of stuff about control surfaces and the you know the um, physics of flight and all that stuff. You would not want to put me in the seat of a real F sixteen. Yeah. Um, so, is this? Well, how do you train your ears to? First, you need to understand what mastering is and yeah. why you want to use it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, they have a number, a large number of presets that come with it. And there's actually a bunch of presets that Greg Kelby did. Okay. All right. And so what I would do is I'd get the software, and you can actually get a, get a, a trial, I think. I think you can get a 14-day free trial. And I'd bring up the Greg Kelby presets, and I would take a look at exactly what they're doing. It's a number of modules you'll see in the window, and you can look at, you know, the EQ module and the Dynamics module and the Maximizer module, and you can see, you know, what they're doing. And it's... It, it'll take a little bit of time to wrap your head around it, but that's kind of the model. It's like, you know, the presets are named really well, you know, with like more presence, uh, you know, mellow, whatever, you know. So the good starting points, you pick... pick are, they, are they musical at all? Like, do they have like a hip-hop preset uh, or a no, rock it's, preset? No, it's more of the ambience the that, you're, that you're trying, the sound you're trying to get. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, I'd bring them up and listen to them and see what sounds good to you and then really dig into how they put it together. And that's kind of a way to, I think it's, you know, it's a really effective way to, you know, to sort of wrap your head around what you're trying to do. I mean, mastering is, is voodoo, man. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I do it when I have to, but I feel like, you know, I, I, I hope that I have the budget or the artist has the budget to, to take it to somebody who has a room set up for mastering. But having said that, I do I do plenty of stuff myself, and I know you guys do plenty of stuff yourself because you have to. Yeah. And you know, and and you know, and a reasonably priced mastering engineer is like minimum a hundred dollars a track. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of like online services, but my, you know, I would say you could probably do just as good a job yourself, if not better. And, and frankly, with the online services, one thing I, I I understand enough about mastering to know that if I were doing if I'm a singer-songwriter, and I tend to do mostly singer-songwriter stuff, 
I wouldn't send one song to one service and another song to another service because they're each going to treat... Yeah. It's a matter of taste. Yeah. You know, it's the technical uh, manifestation of somebody's taste. And the bottom line for mastering is really it's about making sure you don't have too much top, too much bottom, or that things don't sound... Um, have too much dynamic range. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of... Uh, the homogenization yeah. of your stuff, which is, and I'm talking primarily in the world of music libraries, they don't want to have to pay to master it. So they don't want stuff that's going to be really dynamically spiky or, or too fat on the bottom, and they're going to have to remaster it. That's If they're spending $100 a track to do it, then their catalog of 20,000 pieces of music just got very expensive. So they want you to do it, and yeah. it comes down to you being a good judge of, is this too fat on the bottom, too skinny on the top, too dynamically spiky? And then that all comes back to our basic home studio, which is how are your monitors set up, what's your True. room like, and, and how much ear training do you have? So that leads me to an idea that you guys may already be doing, but um, I think a lot more people would use mastering software better if they really understood what mastering is. Do you guys do clinics? in-store clinics, you know, that kind of stuff? Well, we do, you know, we actually have, um, we just did a um, SSL um, sponsored a series we call, um, what do we call it? <laughs> Anatomy of a Mix. Thank okay. you. And that, and we just had uh, Daryl Thorpe in, who's, you know, seven-time Grammy winner. Uh, we have Greg Wells, I think, is going to be coming in a couple weeks. Nice. If you're not on our mailing list, you should definitely sign up at westlakepro.com. Um because uh, we, we're always doing free clinics. You know, having said that, they're really, really valuable. It's not an in-depth look at how to master, and it's mm -hmm. something we've been looking at, you know. But um, I mean, even just understanding, having somebody just talk about the purpose of mastering, yeah. um, we had um, Ronan... Um, Chris Murphy. Yeah, Ronan Chris Murphy is one of the great teachers of audio. Everybody yeah. loves the guy. Um, he, he's very plain spoken. So like, there's a guy that would be great for clinics because he can really explain yeah. mastering in, in a way that the average person gets it. Cause it, my father's an oil painter and yeah. if he starts speaking in terms of burnt umber or, you know, it's like you and I wouldn't get yeah. that because it's over our heads. But if you said you wanted to make the sun a little more muted, that we would get. Yeah. So... Ronan is great at explaining. There, you know, there actually are some great resources about mastering on Isotope's site, and they're free. Okay. And Isotope um, has a very close relationship with this guy, Jonathan Weiner, who's a great mastering engineer out of Boston. He has a company called MWorks, and uh, and he's kind of been their consultant as far as developing Ozone. So and you know, so there's this some really serious brain power and serious ears behind. The development of it so and you know i i just think it's kind of a no-brainer you know it's a really really impressive product here's a question i have an akg uh 214 powered through the console meaning the 48 volts going to the microphone mm -hmm. can i insert a dbx compressor in line and still pass power without damage yeah the compressor is going to be after the preamp yeah so yeah yeah the preamps powering the mic directly from the preamp and the and the compressor will be after the preamp so a um, couple of guys are recommending um, the Magic AB uh, mastering software. 
um, noteworthy. Uh, are you familiar with that one? I yeah, I'm familiar with it. I've never used it. Uh, Isotope actually has a really interesting module where you can put in a reference track, and it'll sort of read the the sonic footprint of that reference track, and you can actually dial in that profile into your the song that you're mastering. You know, dial it in as as in if it were almost parallel processing. All right, I want it to be ten percent more like the frequency response of the, you know, of of my reference track. And I think that's really really cool. Um, somebody has a four-year-old. Uh, before this goes away, four-year-old MacBook Pro, uh, Pro Tools, whoops, Pro Tools nine. Um, can it will his computer, a four-year-old MacBook Pro, handle uh, MacBook? I mean, Pro Tools ten. Uh, well, how much memory is on it? Yeah, you know, he I didn't, mean, like, didn't say. Yeah, I have a. Uh, yeah, didn't say. I have a. I, first of all, I think the main thing to do is get the max memory. If it's four years old, I'm sure you can put at least eight gigs in. So I would do that for starters, um, and I would, and I wouldn't go to ten. I'd go to to twelve because you know with Pro Tools eleven, it went to sixty four bit, which means that the, you know that the program can actually deal with over four gigabytes of random access memory of RAM. And uh, that's kind of the, the power that's available to you now. It's like in Pro Tools 11 and 12. Uh, Russell Landwehr wants to know, I have some mix, uh, I know my mixing room has some serious problems, but I think I'm putting out good mixes anyway. Is there anyone who could listen to a cross-section of my mixes and see if there is anything that stands out as a room problem? I don't think by listening to your mixes that you necessarily would stand, you know, you don't know. You, you could definitely have somebody tell you what the problems are, but whether those are room problems right. or, you know, your taste versus the listener's taste, you know, that's going to be a little tough. I think, um, you know, the best thing would be to, uh, you know, one thing you could do is take, take your mixes into a, a well-tuned room and listen to it. And see what it sounds like. Does it sound different than it sounds in, like in your room, or or bring in, um, you know, again reference tracks that you know what they sound like, and how do those sound in your room? Are you hearing any difference? And don't be afraid to use your car. I know yeah, that yeah. sounds ridiculous. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, but you know your car speakers uh, as well, probably as you know your studio speakers, because you listen to music in your car all the time. I used to always listen to mixes in my car. Um, Oh, another one, uh, another basic studio thing people always forget is making sure their speakers are wired in phase. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it seems so idiotically true. simple and obvious, yet I can't tell you how many things I hear where, you know, you can tell the kick drum is coming out of both speakers yeah. and has no center whatsoever. Clearly something was wired out of phase, and it's usually the monitors. Um, what are your thoughts on presets uh, in compression? Presets, uh, as hmm. I mean, I, I think first that presets are an incredible learning tool. You know, just like as we're talking about ozone. Yeah, is you know, um, if you look at some of the presets on some of the McDSP plugins or even the Avid plugins, there are some really, really aggressive settings that to me would like I would never go there automatically. But you know, to take a look at all right, what what exactly are they trying to do here, and what does it sound like? You know, can be an incredible, you know, uh, source of knowledge of you know learning. 
Um, Tom Selden uh, Tom Selden mentioned that Final Mix Mix Bus Light is great. Um, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but uh, Rob Shirelli has his own. I know he does. Yeah, and the two that I've heard were like remarkably good for practically. I've actually no been money. playing around with a prototype uh, EQ. Yeah, that Rob has put together. Cool. That, that actually we that Westlake might be branding. Nice. And uh, and it's very nice. You know, I've been actually, I've been using it on the mixes I've been working on the last week. He just mentioned to me in an email earlier today, we've got some new stuff coming out. So yeah. that must be it, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, okay, look, uh, how do you feel about Apogee Jam? I think, you know, all of the Apogee products are great. I mean, you know, and, and I th yeah, I think all of the Apogee products are great. You know, $150 Apogee interface isn't, a four thousand dollar interface, but it's not supposed to be, right? Right. But yeah, uh, like I say, it's the BMW Mercedes. It really it, is. It's not the Rolls Royce, but it, very few people need the Rolls Royce. Yeah, no, I, I've I've never heard anything that they put out that sounds bad. Um, Polly wants to know what's the best way to test your room acoustics to identify problems to correct. Uh, what was the software you mentioned before? Uh, Sonoworks. Sonar works. S O N A R works. works. Yeah. And W O R K S as yeah. opposed to. And no you could answer. actually chat, you know, the salespeople at WestlakePro.com right now and they could hook you up with, you know, I think they, they I think Sonar works might even offer some sort of trial where you can, for like a really low price, you can buy like a 14 day trial software with a, a calibration mic. Wow. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what? Let's talk about Tom Dowd for, let's yes. do like two minutes each. Um, I just recently discovered that Peter and I both have some history with Tommy Dowd. Uh, Tom is, is, by anybody who's been in the industry for any amount of time, and is a real, you know, studio rat, the real deal. Uh, extra, yeah. Oh, you got one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tom Dowd was an eccentric genius with the kindest heart, the most giving personality, and made great sounding records. Aretha, Almond Brothers, um, Ray Charles, on and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and I saw in your bio that you worked with him. So give me one good Tom Dowd story and then I'll do one. All right, I, well, I, let's see if I can do this quickly enough, but yeah, he produced an album um, of this band I was in okay. in the 70s. And, uh, and and working with him in the production of the album, I just you know just really got a sense of like what a genius he was musically because he would say the smallest thing, which would make the hugest difference, mm -hmm. you know. And I actually spent we had this one song um, that the label decided they were going to put out as a single, and we needed to cut it down. It was I think maybe a minute too long, and and I was sort of the the band guy who was sent to to be in the studio with Tom. Nice. And and basically, and it was also it was my guitar solo, which was this extensive, never-ending guitar solo that needed <laughs> to get cut, you know. So, but anyway, we sat there, and and this is with a razor blade, right? Yeah. You know, this isn't, yeah, you know, just you know, on a computer screen. Look, I'm the kind of and guy we, that still he's got keeps razor blades. My God, I keep a razor blade around just in case a piece of quarter inch ever walks in my room. Homeland Security didn't <laughs> yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so anyway, so we sat in the studio and tried these edits, and nothing worked, and nothing worked, and nothing worked, and nothing worked. And all of a sudden, you could you saw a light go off, you know. And he's, he's like, wait a minute. And he went out, and he took the razor blade, and he just chopped these two places. And it was like the, place, the places that he edited to me were just like so random. Mm -hmm. And he put it together, and he taped it together, and it was genius. Instantly and, better. And, and I've thought for decades... I keep coming back to it, and it's like, how? Where did he hear that from? That edit was just. Where did he hear that from? And, and understand, this is a guy that worked on um, the Manhattan Project. He was a nuclear physicist, yeah, and, and, and a brilliant guy. Yet, but I bet he didn't make you feel uncomfortable, right? It's just you and Tommy in the room. No, no, You're probably was, a little scared uh, to death, but yeah. he made you feel like he was your big brother. You know? Yeah. No, he was an amazing individual. I love that, man. Uh, I've got a very similar story, and I'll keep mine short as well. Um, Eric Clapton found two guys sitting behind his house in the Bahamas, sitting on the beach named Tom and Don, and they were clearly camped out there uh, in a little tent playing acoustic guitar and bongo drums, uh, hoping that Clapton would stumble out of his house uh, in Paradise Island in the Bahamas and discover them, which he did. And he got uh, RSO Records to front the money to bring them to Criteria Studios in Miami and had the Eric Clapton band playing behind these two guys, Tom and Don, a couple yeah. of pot-smoking beach bumps. And everybody went to dinner, and Tom Dowd said to me, you want to see how, learn how to make a good song great? And I went, sure. And he said, sit down at the tape machine. I want you to edit this. And there was a coming out of the bridge going into the last chorus, there was a four four-count drum turnaround with accents, kind of thing. And Tom said, take that out of there and move it up to the beginning of the song. And, and I'm sitting there going, ee, 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 you know, rocking the tape over the head, scared to death because I'd never cut a piece of tape in my life. And he's standing behind me being so patient, and I'm rocking and rocking. Mark finally marked the thing because he yelled at me. He said, just mark the friggin' tape already. You can always put it back together, which was lesson number one, the law of reciprocity. No, reciprocity. Yeah. Um, and so I finally cut this thing out. It probably took me 15 minutes to do what he would do in five or 10 seconds. And I moved it to the front of the song and then hit play. And white leaders going over the heads and all of a sudden, yeah. brrr, boom, right into the song. It was pure genius. Yeah. Instantly it that's, went from being a damn good song to a friggin' great song. That's exactly what he was, yeah, he yeah. had that. He just he just was so musical. Yeah. You know? Had like this x-ray vision that he yeah. could see things. The person who wrote the song, the person who played the song, might never see it in a lifetime. Tom Dowd could see 10 of those things in a minute. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a, a and what an incredible human being, too. Yeah, was just, I was just going to say, a lovely man. Yeah. If I spoke to him on the phone, like, shortly before he passed. Oh, man. And I literally, I hadn't talked to him for, God, over 20 years. Yeah. And he was like, and, and this is like, you know, he's suffering from emphysema, and it's not long before he passed away. And he got on the phone, and it's like, oh, you know, what about that? You know, what was her name, Jackie, that used to hang out with us in the studio? And, you know, it was just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Never forgot anything. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the video? There was a documentary done, uh, the, the Language of Music. Yeah. If you haven't seen the video, Google it, rent it, buy it, do whatever you have to do to get your hands on it. Tom Dowd, The Language of Music. Yeah. My wife walked in our bedroom one night and I had tears streaming yeah. down my cheeks. And she yeah. looked at the, the TV screen, sees a guy sitting behind a console yeah. shutting yeah. faders around. She yeah. goes, you're crying over that? And yeah. I said, you just had to yeah. know the man. Yeah. 
priceless human being. Yeah, no, All right, a couple more questions. Let's wrap it up. Right. Uh, okay, there's an entire book about Tom Dowd. Go buy it. Absolutely. Uh, love these stories. What happened to your record that Tom worked on? Ah, uh, it was horrible. <laughs> you know, it was. You know, I was in this band. The band was called James Montgomery Band, and uh, we were signed to Capricorn Records. Our first record did fairly, did okay. We were on like huge. You know, we opened arenas. Mm -hmm. You know, we opened wow. our first record. We opened. You know, like we opened for Electric ELO in Toronto one night, and then Humble Pie in L.A. the next night. And, and, wow. and it was just, you know, it was like insane. You know. The big old and, head. Like, and, we've made it. And the record didn't really take off. And then we went to do our second record. And the band was kind of like fracturing. And like there were interesting writers in the band. The keyboard player was writing some stuff. I wrote a little stuff. The drummer was writing some stuff. But none of this, it, they didn't fit together. Yeah. And uh, at any rate, Tom got hired to do the record. He, he, he did his best job. Uh, the material wasn't cohesive, and and I asked him about it later when I sort of like when I left I left the band shortly after, and I and I got together with him and had lunch with him. I said, so you know that record really wasn't that good. Why didn't you say something? And he said, you know, I brought what I could to it, mm -hmm. and I I did the job, and and I don't think that you know that any other record could have been made. And he was right. That was and, his whole approach. Yeah. His gestalt, if you will, about making records was. I'm not here to make a Tom Dowd record. I'm here yeah. to make your record yeah. be the best it can be. Yeah, that's exactly right. What yeah. you did. Yeah, yeah, he would pick the best songs, like with an incredible, like just being it. You could watch a band run through 20 or 30 songs on uh, acoustic guitar, vocal, and he would pick the best, like boom, 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 and yeah. know right away and arrange them on the fly. Just brilliant, brilliant guy. You got to watch that that movie. Yeah. Um, Okay, I signed up for the Sonarworks uh, speaker calibration trial. You need to buy their $49 measurement microphone. Yeah, yeah. 49 bucks. Yeah. Skip Starbucks for a week, Polly. <laughs> um, oh, uh, again, I want to repeat. Look, uh, I can't say enough good stuff. Uh, well, I mean, Peter's become a friend over time, but about Westlake Pro. Seriously, um, they're the real deal. These guys, it's not like a big box store where they're just trying to sell you something to make a commission. These guys are all like Peter. They're, they're actual users. They've been around forever. Um, several of them, including George, I've known for probably 15 years. He's one of the owners. These guys live it and breathe it. So even if you don't live on La in Los Angeles, go to their website, chat them up on, on the whatever you call that thing. The, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? You know, you type in the chat. Okay, um, just know that you're talking to guys like Peter. You're not talking to some you know young kid that just wants to make Robbie Hancock's give me a plus one. Uh, they're not about making commissions because I mean, sure, they'd love to make money. Everybody in sure. business wants to, but they want you talking about them. Going, those guys treated me fairly squarely and gave me a great price. So. Your thing ends at midnight tonight, which was total coincidence. He's not here because of that. Yeah. I, I asked him if he was yeah. available today. And um, George is probably pissed that I've got you here instead of at the store selling right now. Um, anyway, 
so Westlake uh, WestlakePro.com, and you have your thing going till midnight LA time tonight is your Cyber Monday sale. Cyber Monday stuff, yeah. Although some of it goes on. I mean, go ahead and go to the site, and you can click on there's a block on the home page that says special deals, and you can take a peek at what's going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank you by the way, and and my in my interface with this is I was a customer of right. Westlake's for ten years before they sort of offered me this. I'm not actually I'm not a salesman right. there, but. Uh, but he's, before he's they the, sort he's of their marketing me this, this wacky job that I do, yeah. and um, and 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 you know, I use I use them as a resource. If I didn't know what to do or needed a recommendation, you know, they, I trusted them to give me, you know, yes, yeah. you know, not not sell me what they had the biggest commission on that day, right? Yeah, and There's so much to be said for yeah. that. The the, the ethic of the guys who worked at West LA which was the reason the bands would wait till they got to LA to buy the expensive stuff that same ethic lives on at Westlake Pro and we're we're proud to have them look they paid for your seats at the road rally and you know we don't just let any old sponsor in the door we really try and match the sponsors to our people so um all right uh thank you gentlemen very useful Cool. Uh, okay. All right. Let's wrap it up because right. that's one of the longest shows we've ever done. And oh there's so much more I could talk to you about. So we'll have to have you back. All right. I'll come back. And thank you Anytime. again for uh, sponsoring yeah, yeah, the Rogue yeah. Rally. Um, My pleasure. Our thank, pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for watching the show, you guys. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Oh, giveaway. We've got a giveaway. Yeah, See, I'm all about fact, the, you know, nice talking to you. I'm out of here. Going to go home and have dinner. All right. So here's you're going to take the ozone plug in yourself, <laughs> that's right? That's right. Oh, man. I've actually got. A uh, uh, oh god, a Stephen Slate drum thing uh, sitting on my shelf over there that we tried to give away one day and we blew it on the show and I kept it for myself. Hmm. Um, okay, so here's what I want you to do: everybody who would like the ozone, uh, type in a plus one now, and I'm going to run my finger up and down the chat room list, and we will send it to you. So let me know when you see a bunch of plus ones, Peter. I see a bunch of... Uh, oh, now, wait a minute. Now that's somebody... All right. All right. Okay. Who did I hit? Ever a smile. Ever a smile. That wasn't was a plus one. Oh, it wasn't a plus one? All right, okay. There we go. Now we got it. All right. That was Robbie yep. Hancock? Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to wait for those to chill. Holy crap. It's like watching a Wall Street uh, ticker back in the old days. Yeah. That's wild. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Slow down for a second. We're going to give away. Um, now we're moving Rob on Pappen to Punch. Right, Rob Pappen Punch. So let's do plus twos for that one. So as soon as I start to say. lag, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Plus twos. Still got plus ones coming in. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Okay, there's some plus oh, twos. Oh, interesting. Right. So there's probably different amounts of latency depending upon where you are. <laughs> right. right? So you have to wait a minute. Yeah. Right? Because you want to <laughs> I see some people. People in. Uh, okay, try not to do like five on Czechoslovakia as much of a chance as the ones in. All right, now they're all Calabasas. plus twos coming through. All right. Who did I hit? Oh, God. Wait a minute. I have to put on glasses. Okay. I'm going to do it again. Sorry. All right. All right. Uh, David something. Wait, stop. Ah! Oh, shit. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Let's see. That's fine. 
It wasn't Danny Weber. It was David, definitely. I mean, oh, there it is. David. Uh, I just saw him. David. Okay, you guys can stop typing your plus twos because we've got a winner. His name is David. We just David. got SJH. David SJH. Okay. So, what I need Robbie and David SJH to do is each of you, and you got the uh, Pappen um, punch. Yeah. And Robbie Hancock got the, uh, where did it go? Ozone? Ozone, so. Okay, I need you guys to email Peter. Uh, yes. And you will send it directly to them? Absolutely. Okay, yep. you'll just give them a code yep. and they can download Peter it. M at westlakepro.com. Peter M at westlakepro.com. Yeah, I've got serial numbers and I'll give you instructions. And awesome. It'll be there. Uh, again, don't forget their sale tonight. Um, and... Just know that they're trustworthy guys. And, and if you guys have any questions, email me. Um, you know, and I could, you know, either answer myself or put you on to a salesperson who would be the appropriate match for you. And, uh, yeah. All right. They're the good guys, and you'll see them back at the rally next year. And thank you all for watching. We will see you next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye, you guys.